0: From the studios in Omaha, Nebraska, welcome, welcome, welcome to The Other Kind Radio. I'm Jeff, I'm one of your hosts, and uh, we're glad you could join us. I hope everybody's had a good week. It's been uh, beneficial, relaxing. Maybe you got some shopping done. Maybe you did some yard work. Uh, Maybe you traveled somewhere and got to meet some new people. Either way, um, welcome to the show. It is our 19th broadcast for the day, which is today, July 22nd, 2018. Today on the show, we're going to talk... about the podcast awards, going to kind of remind our kind listeners how they can uh, the possibly kind of radio earn radio. The Other Kind of Radio a uh, little podcast award. Radio. Um, radio. We're going to have Todd's take on Jeff's Judgment on. Todd's going to take on, uh, I guess, Mama Mia 2 recently came out. Uh, and uh, he and his family went to watch that. So he's got a take on that. Jeff's Judgment... Um, I, I'm, I'm in search of an answer. I'm in search of the answer of how old do you have to be and still be able to pull the no, I don't want to try what I know I haven't liked in the past. Now, we'll get into that discussion, but that's going to be Jeff's judgment. And then Todd and I, we're, we're in the top 20 we're going to walk through uh, AFI's top 110th anniversary films of all time. And uh, today we're going 20 through 11. And a reminder for the kind listener, we're going to do 20 through 11. The next week we're going to do 10 through 6. And then Todd will be in town that weekend of the 4th. And we will record the 5th of the 1st. And that will be it for the AFI <laughs> top 110th anniversary edition and we will move on to other pop culture topics. Speaking of which, he's fresh off his uh, vacation. I believe they were in uh, Vegas because I set him up at a room at uh, the Sahara. Let's see if we can tune him in here. Todd, come in. Do you Come in, Todd. Do you read us? You know...
1: I'd forgotten we were in Vegas. That's what kind of vacation it was. I actually forgot where I was for a whole week. It was such a great Vegas moment. Everything that I did stays there.
0: What is your opinion of the family vacation in, in Las Vegas, if it were, in fact, the place you went to? I'd never do it.
1: My daughter wants to go so badly, and I keep telling her, you know, mom and I... Went on our first anniversary because we were young and wanted to go have a good time. And after about a day there, we both went and looked at each other and thought, "Never doing this again."
0: I've been, yeah, I've been going for going to Vegas uh, for business since uh, the mid '90s. Yeah, and so I was there before they really cleaned it up. Uh, In fact, one of my memories of Vegas is um, getting up one morning and going out. I was either walking somewhere to get breakfast or whatever. And there was this like flatbed pickup truck and there were these two guys in the back of it and they were taking these pamphlets and just littering the whole street and sidewalk with them. And of course they were for uh nefarious things. Um but they would just throw them out on there, you know, and people would walk by and pick them up and everything. Uh to I mean, I was there earlier this year on business and it is definitely turned into a um more family-friendly Oh, yeah. destination but I agree with you um, I guess that ch- I guess the kids would like the this the overstimulation of lights and noises and stuff like that but Lordy 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 I know after about four days there and I love the folks in Vegas they're, they're fantastic everybody there is is wonderful um, but I don't, uh,
1: think, I don't think any of them probably would be offended
0: <laughs> to hear someone you know right. have the opinion that look it's a little much it is it really is um to bring it back in, you actually weren't in Vegas. You were where? We went to Cape Cod. I had
1: told my wife and daughter about going there as a younger person with my family uh-huh. for a number of years. My dad, like yours, is a psychologist, and dad would, you know, sign up to do, I guess, continuing continuing education of a sort. Right. In Boston. And uh-huh. he had a patient who knew somebody that knew somebody that knew somebody that at uh, long story short got us a, a good deal. So we'd go up there and, and then, and I actually think that's probably frowned upon in the doctor world is somebody getting you a good deal.
0: They're going to out them out now.
1: Well, that was, that was 30 years ago. So, well, hold no. on,
0: hold on a second. I'm getting a, yeah, 60 minutes is calling me. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to ask who the hell we are. That is, is it even worth the time. But yeah, exactly. Cause going to the fact that this isn't even live. So they're, <laughs> their surveillance is getting really good.
1: So we went up to uh, Cape Cod and had a outstanding time. I, I, as I said to Jeff in the pre-pro conversation, here in Texas it is supposed to be, I believe, today 108 degrees, the highest that it ever got in Cape Cod, and even into Boston was around 78, and even that 78 was quickly stamped out by a weird rainstorm that moved through and took it back down into the 60s so those people they have it good I know they have some hellacious winters Yeah. but my god it was just a week of sitting around enjoying life and then when we got off the plane last night got hit again by that 100 degree heat Mm. it it makes you want to go right back
0: now one of the things I want to ask you about that I saw you post on social media was that you guys uh, went on a ghost tour yes what is what? What does that entail, and what happens?
1: So that's a that's a long-standing tradition with my wife and daughter. They're both very entrenched in the Girl Scout uh, organization. Okay. And when when Abby, my daughter, was, I it, it's been quite a few years. They they took a Girl Scout trip to Savannah, Georgia, which I believe is Ooh. where the, the headquarters of Girl Scouts is or something to that extent. Love Savannah. Um, so they took this and it was this long tour across America. They did a bus thing and they'd stop and I think they're gone for quite a while, if I, if I remember correctly. But they did a ghost tour there and they both came back raving about it that it was, you know, you get on a bus and really what it is, is it's a chance to see the city they take you on a tour and show you some of the locations cool history and then they'll tell you a scary story along the way
0: so i mean is it like this house was once owned by mad bill johnson who... there's some of that okay they're going to
1: do that but then you're also driving along they'll go and you look right here you're going to see this and it's just a history moment so we've taken a lot of mm. these we did key west we've done like this we went through boston We took my daughter and some of her, one of her friends and my niece to Galveston, Texas and did that, which the reason I bring that up is we've had the high of high. We've had this one in Boston was by far the best we've ever been on Mm -hmm. where you have someone that you can tell is, you know, has dabbled either in stage performance or something to that extent. They know how to entertain you. And she was phenomenal. She was funny quick-witted I you know somebody walks along the street and kind of heckles her and she calls him Anderson Cooper and sure enough he walks out it's like holy crap he looks you know and she's teasing and, and doing these things and it's great but the one in Galveston Texas you know I won't say who what organization did it or what the young lady's name was she was cuckoo pants um, <laughs> she was telling us that she was actually talking to the ghost right then at first we thought she was kidding but she was very serious oh boy she'd lean over and go what did you say and there was even one point where it's uh, she's telling this story about a Confederate battle that occurred. And if you look at the back of the building, you can, st- they've never fixed it. You can see where the cannonballs hit, which that's cool. That's cool information. You look, Oh, that's cool. That's actually there. But she said, and then last week I was over here and hit he, that guy that shot the cannon. He's a bit handsy. He, in fact, he, he came up to me and put his hands, you know, where they shouldn't be. And I was like, get your hands off me, mister. And we were like, Oh my God, mm. how do we get out of this? So, The long and short is go find a great organization that you know really does these. There there are a ton of them out there that you get on this trolley, they're so much fun. So it's fantastic, it's not cheesy like you would think. You just have to find somebody that's good at it.
0: So, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's basically a historical tour of the city, yes, but with ghost stories mixed in.
1: That's that's exactly right. If you get a good one, right. Like the one we just went on. That's exactly what it is. And and I'm sure you saw by the picture that she dresses up in period piece. Yeah. And what she does is she finds, they find a famous uh, death in the city and mm. they become that person. Now they don't walk around, just they they tell you that story. That's me and that's what happened. Right. They'll do that. One thing that's fun too, uh, in Key West, we did one in Key West. And what's amazing is the doll that was the inspiration for the Chucky films. Mm-hmm. Actually dates way way back. Um, there's that show that was adapted from a podcast called Lore, and they covered this. And it's this this doll that is very old world looking, and it took place in Key West to the point that the people in Key West still put little. You'll look around, you're riding around, and all of a sudden you'll look into a window, and mm. they put a, a sticker there that's that doll, and it will scare the piss out of you but they'll tell these stories we go along and you actually get to see the real doll they still have it so you can see all these cool things and we all kind of like the
0: macabre a bit so it's a lot of fun because i'm guessing you know in the early days when they were marketing it they were like come takes bob's history of the town tour and everybody was like and then they were like sitting down one night and bob was like you know what we need to make ghost stories and that kind of thing and then it was like a, then it was a haunted city tour and i think that probably bumped things up for him a bit so
1: well and we you know there are some that are famous obviously new orleans has a oh, ton yeah. of history like that i can only we've never done that it, it's just it's to me with family it's half of exactly. we know the three of us like this and mm-hmm. it's just what we do yeah and it would it wouldn't be a trip without it. And we've had the lows, but this one was fantastic. Even though that was the day of the Boston rainstorm, that it lasted literally from two o'clock until we left the city at midnight. And wow. it was a steady long rain. So part of it we got off that trolley and we were just soaked. Yeah. But we'll never forget that experience. It was just it was it was great.
0: My parents took me to art museums on our family <laughs> vacations. So did mine. And that was that was fun. Cause there's nothing like being a pre-adolescent and be put in a room where you can't touch anything <laughs> you can't make any noises um, yeah no I mean it was good to see some art I just never you know it's I just never it, it took Well, while even to this day I mean I, I, I try and appreciate art but uh, you know I can I'm good like I when I the first time I was in New York City I went to the, the, the Met and oh, I it was it was my favorite uh, museum you know, experience I ever had. And I realized it was because I was by myself and I could go and look in a room. If there was something I was interested in, I would read and look at it, but you know, if it was a room that didn't really have much to offer, I was able to just blast through it. So, right.
1: um, Well, I think, I think honestly, a lot, a lot of the reason we do this with uh, our daughter, my wife didn't take trips like this with her parents. It was much more, drive across America and see the biggest ball of twine
0: <laughs> and
1: they would go to places. Her dad was a big lover of Western films and they'd go to those kind of uh-huh. locations, etc. We talked about the things we wish. And, and with my parents, even though we went to Cape Cod, we did a lot of what you're saying. We went to right. those places. And even, and I'm sure you probably saw on some of the social media, we stopped by historical sites as yeah. well. Well, that used to bore the crap out of me too. Yeah we want to have fun things and it's always like hey what do you want to do what do you want to see right and building in something like a ghost tour is our cheesy way of doing it. now the, the the interesting thing so the boston strangler obviously happens in boston and we're going along and, and my wife and i are both true crime fans and and we knew where this was going when the ladies started telling the story but to watch my daughter mm. listening as she starts telling uh, the the events behind the first murder and then all of a sudden the trolley stops and she just says in this apartment right above this bu- this business is where the first body was found
0: Ooh. and you're sitting
1: there right by it and that's that's kind of spooky and yeah. you're just like okay that's that's something i can hold on to but you're still you're seeing the history of the city it's it's great we yeah. enjoy the hell out of it and I'm sure we're gonna get another one of those weirdos in Galveston eventually but
0: <laughs> you, yeah I would put Nola on there I haven't been on one myself but uh, I have been there on business quite a bit to New Orleans Nolans mm-hmm. and um, have walked by some of those tours that are given and they're and they're they're pretty good you know um, yeah. people seem pretty interested in everything so um well good we're we're, we're uh, I'm gonna speak for the kind listener we're glad you had a good vacation and and welcome back we're go- we're gonna get to Todd's take on mama me in just one second but first just going to remind everybody there is a website called the podcast awards uh www.podcastawards.com. um the other kind radio has been um, registered and we are taking nominations. For I think it's uh, we're in we're in two categories. There's an overall like best podcast in the entire universe, and and um, I'm I'm pretty sure <laughs> there are uh, a number of podcasts that have been around much longer that are much more deserving. But Todd and I are mainly interested in the uh, um, film and uh, TV category where you'll find the other kind. And if uh, those of you that are listening and feel necessary and and comfortable doing so, we invite you to go to podcastawards.com, register, verify your email, and then you can go in and nominate us. Um, There are a number of podcasts and a number of categories. If time is uh, short, you can always uh, nominate us. And then if you want to go back later and select some other podcasts that are on there, Uh, you can feel free to do so. So, Podcast Awards, I believe the nomination process ends July 31st. So, uh, hopefully by then, um, we'll have enough nominations to make the overall slate, which is then uh, people vote on, and then that's where the actual possible award is handed out. So, podcastawards.com, if you have a second, uh, feel free to check us out. And uh, if you don't, but you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher, we always, so always invite you to rate us, maybe subscribe, maybe write us uh, an email, or uh, just write a review of the show. We love, love, love your feedback. All right. Let's move on. Let's get the projector going. That projector is getting quieter and quieter. There we go. It's also taking a lot more to crank it up. I know. I to, I, maybe I need to get it serviced. It's time for Todd, Todd, it's time for Todd's take on Todd. What's your take on this week?
1: So I have never hidden my love of the movie musical, the musical format in general, be it stage or film. I I love it when it is executed perfectly. I don't know that you can have a artistic expression that I think can be more moving. I think that it equates very well to. Action films. I think people you have to, you know, people that say I hate musicals and then say because they're unrealistic because no one would sing, but they love action films where robots fly and laser swords occur are people that aren't really looking at what they're saying. Um, So I bring that up because... The Mamma Mia franchise. I've was. i I've never been a big ABBA fan. As a musician, I can really respect the the craft of which they craft the pop songs. I've always thought the lyrics and their songs are borderline asinine. Um, they're hooky, they're catchy, but as soon as you get a true sentiment, then they'll say nonsense words. Um, and trust me, you know... You, you, you go find any number of them and you can find that. So my so wife takes me to see r- the
0: original. I'm sorry. Real quick. So what would one of them be super fragilistic esque. Seattle. A little bit, blah, blah, Would that be not, a nonsense that, word? Not that, far, not that far from it. Okay. Really not.
1: So, and I'm going to get back to this whole nonsense thing. Okay. So my wife drags me to see the original stage production of mama Mia. I, Oh my God. It was one of the most painful worst experiences of my life. And then lo and behold a few years later she tells me oh my god they're making a movie so we went to see it with got Meryl Streep in it who's not my favorite actress but look you cannot deny the woman can execute she can sing she can sing beautifully I admired in that that first film that Pierce Brosnan is in it and he can't sing but he's still saying and I admire that I think musicals need more of that because that would be an interesting musical when not all this can carry a perfect tune oh my God, it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I think it's horribly directed. I think it's horribly executed. I think the songs are put in places where they make no sense. And instead, a scene will feel like, let's start having the characters talk about something that makes no sense to what they're talking about, but it makes sense to the the goofy lyrics in the song. So fast forward to this week when we continued another Hartzell family tradition of going to see a movie while we're on vacation. Um, that's something that my family did when I was a kid. I saw Jaws 3D in Cape Cod with my dad. I remember doing things like that. We saw the original Airplane on vacation. Well, my daughter is a big fan of the Mom and me, Uh, whole franchise, and, and I have no problem with it. Um, so she basically let it be known that she wanted to see this, and I said, okay, fine, let's go see it. The reason it's my take on is that, oh, my God, it, this shows what happens when you put a real director in charge of a film this film actually understands what it's supposed to do. This, underst- this understands that a musical works on the pretense that an emotion is either so high or so low that the only thing they can do is to sing about it. They've gotten to the point where they have to emote in that manner. This director, Ole Parker, who doesn't have a ton of directing credits, but did the whole Mangold Hotel. Uh, there were two films of that series, and he wrote those. Does a fantastic job with staging the the songs, with understanding that if you're going to have a big production number, you have to you have to have evoked all the emotions for everyone that's going to be in it. You can have singing in the rain where Gene Kelly's singing up down the street, and it's just him singing, and the police officer looks at him like he's crazy, yeah, because he has an emotion all of his own. But if you're going to have a big production number, they all have to be there. So there's a moment in this where they repeat one of the great Abba songs that was used in the first film. And then they have a big production number. Well, the reason I point this out is in the first film, there's another one where all of a sudden everybody in the world's dancing. They've not been a part of what's happened before. And I've told my daughter, I'm like, this is just, that's bad filmmaking. I know you like it, but these people don't know what she's doing. They would, should be looking at her just like in singing in the rain. This film executes flawlessly to the point that by the end of it, it becomes a recitation on mothers and daughters and, you know, being a, a, the father of a, 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 an only child, I look at that mother and daughter relationship and I was moved by it. You know, it, it was truly what it means to be a parent and to give yourself to that child. So I, I, remember, I recommend it. I'm not saying it's a perfect, perfect movie musical, but it's that rare sequel that improves upon the first film
0: so did they use just as many abba songs and in, in this one as they did in the original
1: they did but they it, this is another thing i think this one does better is that it doesn't just go for the hits because they've already used the hits right in the first one they use the, the the song that i'm referring to is they use uh dancing queen probably you know arguably one of abba's most famous songs
0: never heard it you heard
1: it <laughs> um and that's the one when everybody's dancing. Uh-huh. And I thought, I, I, when, when something like that is executed beautifully, I, I'm moved by it as I am by any film. Right. They do a fantastic job with it. But then the whole thing where I'm saying it evokes the mother-daughter thing, I've never heard the song that they used.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: it's really smart because I'm not feeling like, oh, they're just building to use that song. So it's it's all ABBA songs and I, I, it, There's a ton of them
0: Yeah I like what you said there because that's that's the hardest Reality fence for me to jump when it comes To musicals right. Is is everybody Knows the words everybody knows The dance steps and, and I don't know Why I'm wired that way But it really disconnects me From and I think that's why we've talked in the past About why West Side Story and some of those Musicals are, are more mine Cats was another one that I really liked um because again cats you're already set in this fan this fantasy world um right. but uh besides the music being fantastic but you know it, it just for me it's it's when the entire city <laughs> or town because right. usually it's in a that. town square and everybody's you know doing that and uh it, it really for and it's not a conscious thought necessarily for me it's just it's something that pulls me out maybe it's just the way my brain is wired logistically i'm just like there's no way that you know i'm going to be i'm going down to the store to buy milk and then you know i'm going to be delayed 15 minutes and then i'm going to get home and you know those at home say why are you late i said oh well you know we live in the in the magical musical town and you know cinderella had to sing about some stuff and so i had to get in there and do my boogaloo so
1: I, i think that musicals are no different than any other art form uh, that could be jazz music. That could be a type of painting. If you are not exposed to it and you know, to what's trying to happen, it feels wrong. It feels jarring. And I think that action films are that way for some people. I know my mother can't watch them because she's she's like, this is just asinine that these people are just spraying bullets. What happens to all the people that would get hit on the side? Well, mom, that distracts from the, yeah. distracts from the emotion we're seeing here. It's the same thing.
0: That's, that's so funny because, you know, I'd be like, but it's so cool. But you're right. It's, this, it's the exact same thing. Wow. Um, so what is the storyline real quick? Because I, I know Mamma Mia, they meet somebody. They go to Greece or something, right? And they fall uh, in So love. the
1: original film is essentially Meryl Streep's character had moved to Greece as a young lady, uh, had along the way toward Greece, had met three men, and had... Uh, love affairs with each
0: other that's right it's who's my daddy
1: yes it's who's my daddy um she was also the member of a singing trio Mm. so this one jumps forward to that um it's now about the child she had now the child she had was in the first one
0: right
1: now it's about her and That she and her boyfriend have split up. She's trying to open this hotel in tribute to her mother, blah, 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 blah. In Greece? Yes, in Greece. And it's a very, it is a wafer-thin plot. Wafer-thin. You you look and you think, this is just stupid. Right. If I think about it. But at the same time, that can be the best films in the world that are wafer-thin are the kind that create characterizations and moments that make us forget the plot. We yeah. like the character so much. And yeah. Lily James, who stars in this, who is Cinderella, who is also in baby driver. There's, she's just one of those people that lights up the the, the lens when she's on it. She's wow. fantastic.
0: Well, that's good to hear. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't uh, have kids. So I, you know, that's not really on my radar as well as uh, musicals, but, uh, um, it's good to hear that they they improved upon it and didn't make it worse. Because again, I, you know I'm just so conditioned when you hear that there's a sequel coming out that it's just going to be an yeah. awful movie. So you just are like, okay, well, you know, not gonna not gonna pay any attention to that. So
1: well, good. I would I w- would not have seen it if not for my daughter. And even when we w- when we went in, she said. Please don't blast it apart. <laughs> Please don't tell me
0: how horrible it is. You,
1: like, you know, that's when you have to give the dad speech. But you need to like it on your own. I can like it the way I like it. Yeah. But when it was over, I was like, I loved it.
0: Right. Well, tip a cap, tip of the cap to her then for finding a, a movie and and uh, you know it being something that you were able to enjoy. You know that's that's cool. That's cool. All right. Well, we'll continue moving along. We'll. Uh... Shut down that projector. The projector seems to shut down just fine. It's getting it started. That, uh, well, that uh, that mirrors a lot of aspects of life. But we don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time to get into that right now. Um, I'm a little nervous about doing this Jeff's Judgment on, but I'm I'm gonna power through it anyway because I can hear the Todd part of my brain saying just do it. So we all grow up knowing what we like and what we don't like, especially when it comes to music or art or, oh, in this case, food. Um, now I have made a change recently as far as Indian food. I never was a fan of Indian food, but I'm coming around on it. Um, uh, you know, you try new things and, and, you know, you find out, uh, that you, you know, may, may have misjudged or, or like, uh, something a little bit, uh, more than you thought you would. But we went out and had dinner last night at a Thai restaurant. And I've tried Ty, Um, our good friend Steve, who is who I consider a masterful cook and knows every good place in the Dallas Metroplex Metroplex to eat Uh, in the days that we we all worked together for that big Internet company. Steve was always the great one to go to lunch with. He always knew a sandwich shop or a pizza place or this kind of place. And every time he went, you know, he was batting a thousand as far as just great, good food. But the the one thing he always tried to introduce me to in many different places across Dallas was Thai and pho. And I just don't really care for it. And so when it was mentioned that we were going to go out and have Thai food last night, uh, I immediately was nervous and not looking forward to it. To which we began the meal, and my father got his thing, and he's and he's and he's he's kind of using his dad voice on me, and he's like, "No, try it. No, no, just just try it." And I'm, you know, now I'm at the point where like, what do I do? Do I do I take my 45 year old foot and put it in the ground and say no? Or do I try and be a little more of the adults and mature? And and so I did. I, I dipped my spoon into his bowl of stuff and tasted it. And I, he goes, yeah, yeah. And I'm, and I'm like, no, no nope and he just seemed shocked that I it was something that uh, that I was not enjoying so I ask you the kind listener and you too Todd I mean is there an age limit to the point where you can be done or is that a sign of ignorance should we always try and taste things that we may have tried I don't know a dozen times and have never really ended up on the positive side I can hear the Parents, uh, my parents' side of my brain, kind of giggling and being like, "Oh, Jeff, grow up!" But it's weird how you have the internal voice going. You're 45 years old. You know you don't like that type of food, so you know, don't try it. You know, or or you know, don't go for it. Um, I just, I, I'm, I'm a little perplexed and a little confused as to when it may be appropriate to put that foot down you know i
1: i adhere to the idea that if i don't try something i can't bitch about it right um and that is whether it be movies film whatever and that's why i become a pop culture
0: yeah to
1: lesser extent i feel the same way about food Lester so I love food and you're right about Steve Steve that's one of the reasons I used to love to travel with him so much I was like look <laughs> like, I will run the events I got that I can handle work yeah you show up and help me with the technicalities I'll get the rest done you're picking more wheat
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I do love to go sample new things I've never had pho I there's a new place down the road and I keep thinking I know I'm not gonna get my wife to go there because you want to talk about who someone who will not sample new things <laughs> but I keep thinking I want to try it yeah but like you, I've gotten to the point. I, I'm a few years older, fifty-one, and I think, man, I've, I've really been pretty good. Yeah, I've really been, tried a lot of things. And what I'd really prefer is to have another bowl of really good handmade or homemade wings. Yeah, something that I enjoy the flavor yeah. of. Yeah. So, it, and it's weird because you talk about Thai food. I've I I've had sampling here and there. I haven't had it. We talked about it before that, like you with Indian, I just don't know much about it. Right. So. I don't know that I would ever shut the door on trying new things, right? But I find that door is a little creaky, and I'm not getting the oil to make it smooth,
0: right? And and I mean, that's the thing. It wasn't like it was the first time that I had was going to try Thai, you know, or or or, 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 you know, like I said, Steve took me to a number of places, and each time he would he would you know almost as my my second father. Would just oh man you know you know when Steve gives you that disappointed look, <laughs> the one where he's like no no be who you want to be but yeah but I'm really, really yeah yeah Bobby Brown is not music you know he'd be like, but I, <laughs> but I, every little step is one of my favorite songs really really is it do you know that Bobby Brown lifted that from Dylan Dylan had a song called Every Little Step You Take you know and he'd go on some rant and then I'd be like okay yeah you're right but when it came to food, you know. It was just one of those things, and I like what I like, and I, I, I like you said, I, I like trying new things. But if and sometimes you're not in the mood for it. And one of the things that I do when I travel for business that everybody gives me a hard time about is if I find a place that I like, I will eat there the entire time I'm on show site. Me now, too. granted, you know, uh, client dinners and stuff are different, but for me, at the end of a long day, I just want a familiar good tasting meal to end the day with. And with adventure, I understand there's a risk reward. And sometimes for me, I'd rather have just that safe meal and go to bed feeling, you know, satisfied versus uh, every time we're in new Orleans, there's a uh, Acme oyster company and the line is anywhere between an hour and a half to two hours long. And, I, I just remember everybody on the crew saying, come on, you got to get off, man. They're the best oysters in the world. I'm like, I don't care if they're the best oysters in the world. I'm not standing in line for an hour and a half. I'll go find a little dive place or a little place with a burger and eat that and be good. So uh, I think I think uh, at the end of this, Jeff's judgment on, I think uh, I think you continue to try new things. I think if your father wants you to taste something and gives you dad face... Disappointed dad face, then then it's worth dipping the spoon in and mm, yeah okay yeah yep still don't like it, because <laughs> 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 I think he I, it's just interesting to me that sometimes people want you to enjoy something as much as they enjoy it so much that it becomes like a mission to them you know like like with jazz or or anything else where people are like you know like country music I've you know I like old country. Uh, Willie and Waylon and that stuff, but the new country I I'm not a fan of. And it's the same thing. It's the new country music is, is equivalent to Thai because people are like, Oh, but you have you heard Bobby Robertson Johnson pickup truck? And I'm like, No. And they're like, oh you need to listen to that guy. He's good. And you turn it on, and you're like, Yeah, it sounds sounds like modern day country. So But I, I, I digress. And uh we But I think uh, I understood where you were going. <laughs> I think. I might have I might have lost a few kind listeners there for a second but but come back in it's okay the water's <laughs> fine the water's fine uh, that's Jeff's judgment on uh, trying food that uh, you know you don't like but you get disappointed daddy face and and or pop face and 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 you try it anyway um, go tie we there is another restaurant that I've, I've committed I've uh, I signed the paperwork and uh, we'll go try again Um and we'll see if I can't find something that uh, that I like. I did have some fried tofu. I like uh, tofu. That did they have chicken, chicken fingers? I didn't ask if they had chicken fingers, but you know what? That's going to be my new bit. Every, <laughs> <laughs> every
1: time that's like the little kid thing. Hey, we're going to go have this. Cup. Do they have chicken fingers or mac and cheese?
0: But do they have chicken fingers? <laughs> yes, they have chicken fingers. Okay. Do you get there? Do you have chicken fingers? No. Oh, sorry, kid. I was wrong. Um. But I'm gonna do that. From now on, it's gonna be chicken fingers. All right. And- all right, let's get to the to the meat of the show. We are getting close. We're in the top twenty. We're gonna go through twenty through eleven. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we're gonna do ten today. And then the last two will be five of five, ending the AFI Top 110th Anniversary Best Films of All Time when Todd's here uh, early in August. So are you ready? Let's do it. All right. First movie. Number twenty, coming out in nineteen forty six. I'm sure at pretty much everybody's seen this. It's a wonderful life. And I'm, I, I'm very I'm, interested I'm, to hear what you uh, what you want to say about this. I, I I felt the
1: pause there, so I didn't mean to step on your words. But no, no. The, the bell you did at the first, I feel like we're on the lightning round of let's make a deal or something like that. <laughs> we didn't discuss this. We aren't doing fast moves, Go. right? Okay. <laughs> right. I'll go. So it's a wonderful life. 1946 Frank Capra. It's a holiday classic that features a complex performance by Jimmy Stewart as a suicidal man redeemed by friendship and the recognition that each man's life touches many others. It's a, it's a holiday classic we've all seen. The thing about it that probably was shocking for that era and one of the reasons that it transcends the young, usual tripe that you get with a holiday film is Stewart was not known for complexity of his performances. I've said it ad nauseum before that the studio system at this time would look and say that role is a Jimmy Stewart role. Well, this did, doesn't fit into it because he's a man that is suicidal. You don't have a lot of suicidal people at this during this era. And this film was not a smash success when it came out.
0: Wasn't he, but, he was going to jump off a bridge, right? His yes, okay.
1: basically his guardian angel shows up to show him what, what life would be without
0: him. Okay, that's right.
1: You know, it's a, that's a very dickensian approach kind of thing, you know, in a lot of ways it has a little bit of a Christmas carol vibe to it in showing how your life affects others. And at that time of the year we need to understand that we're not in this alone. Um it, it, it by no by no means is it even questionable that it's here. It's it's a fantastic film. It works beautifully. It executes without failure. Uh, it has the classic line about that every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings, which my wife's cell phone, if, if a text comes through, it has that ding and I tell her that every time. So it even affects me. And this isn't one of my favorite films. If you're going to watch a Capra film, this is the one to watch without question. You would completely understand his sensibilities of the world. And that's kind of what you want in a director. Uh, the, the, French have a, a term called the auteur, the, the author of the film. And when you watch this, you understand who the author of the film was.
0: Um, so this movie is, is definitely, um, a familiar taste during the holiday season. I classify this movie as a background movie. Um, generally put on just to kind of have as background noise, I can't remember the last time where I sat down and just wanted to watch it. Um, I I I think it's I think it's a classic film uh, as far as executing and in some of those technical terms. N- I'm not too sure as far as that. And, and, and I'll say, and, and this is remember this is still learning, Jeff. Right, freshman in 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 college, Jeff. When it comes to film. But, I don't I, I do not agree with it being um, this high. Now, one of the things that may bother me uh, or may can alter the 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 taste in my mouth when it comes to this movie is it it, it is always on during the holidays. Um, and so I think it it loses some of its its magical uh, touch, if you will, because of that. But as I as we progress through this list that we've got, and I look back over of what we've seen, um, I could see it maybe in the top fifty, but top twenty-five to me is a bit of a challenge, um, because as I'm learning with, as we've learned and going through some of these movies, some of the movies are in the places that they're at due to the technical execution, acting, screenwriting, uh, um photography, but some are in there just because of the lore and the, uh, the vibe around them and the longevity that they have. And unfortunately for this one, uh, I, I think it should be lower on the list. Um, not at the fault of anybody that, uh, uh, that created it. um, But like you said even when it came out it wasn't a really big success so i'm i'm wondering how much of its placement is based on the fact that it's just kind of become a part of uh pop culture or the holiday scene
1: this is not to fault anything you said this is not one of my favorite films right i i rarely watch it i have implored my wife who loves sentimentality especially around the holiday she's never seen it and probably one of her biggest hangups in the world is, is if everyone else loves it, I don't want a part of it. Right. Um, here's what I mean by the technicality of it, a, a film and a technicality. It's much like what I said about movie musicals. You cannot have a mass group of people singing and dancing together. If you've not done something to evoke the emotions and they've all seen it and they want to join in and experience it. Right. Same thing. This kind of film does not work. If you don't have scenes prior to it that show the failure, of the character only to be illuminated later later that if he were removed, how far that failure would fall. Right. It's perfectly executed from that manner. Uh, now here's where I will defend it. I, I I've not done any research to have this point, but I've illuminated things like this for you before, and I'm gonna try this. I don't think you would have Tom Hanks' big uh, potentially forced gump. trying to search for anything else that's that kind of magical element you wouldn't have those films without this one this was the one of the one of the seminal moments that said you can do this because think about it who is who is tom hanks equated to time and time again he's the jimmy stewart of our generation Mm. i think this film is vastly important for the future of film language in this type of storytelling you it's it is the one that you can probably with some question or some subjectivity you can point to and say this is kind of where that began.
0: Right. Speaking of Tom Hanks, I watched uh, Turner and Hooch yesterday. Well, <laughs> that that should, that should be that should be somewhere on here. Um no, I get what you're saying and and I and I value and, and I definitely hear what you're saying, you know, but at some point just kind of like with the Thai food it's just one of those things where um, um, I just I, and and again, it's all perspective in the way uh, the light hits your eyes and is refracted and, and processed by the brain. But entirely, I think that I think that's just my own person. and 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 and, 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 and just like you said, I'm sure there's some of my own ignorance and in, in, uh, uneducation as far as films when it comes into play. But I feel like I've got to make a stand somewhere because. Um, you know, then it's just kind of just disagreeing with, uh, with what's on here. So um, that's 1946's and 20th place, place. A wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. Jeff it's, I, Jeff can't talk, so we'll uh, reset here real quick. You're listening to The Other Kind of Radio. I'm Jeff. He's Todd. We're talking about the AFI's top 110th anniversary films of all time. Moving on to number 19, 1954 with the young Marlon Brando on the waterfront.
1: This is Elie Kazan basically taking Brando again after their success together with Streetcar Named Desire. Brando is a longshoreman who could have been a contender who rebels against his brother and corruption of the New York City docks and this powerful story that mirrors the political climate of the early 1950s. I am going to simply draw a line in the sand and simply say the reason this film is where it is and I don't know that it could be placed much lower than 25 it's not my favorite ilia kazan film but it marks a turning point in screen acting where brando becomes the de facto wow i want to be him i want to act like that i want to be natural now you can watch it and it seems a little over the top compared to today but at the mm. same time that I could have been a contender is you have to look at what the acting style was in that era Mm -hmm. you have to look at it and say this is what's happening it wasn't until one year later that James Dean came along in the same thing and these two were hand in hand together Yeah, they they basically were evoking a style that no one else knew and let's be fair do you know who directed James Dean in East of Eden?
0: George Lucas
1: Elia Kazan oh (laughs) Todd. one point for you (laughs) well he directed on the waterfront he directed east of eden yeah same director looks for these same kind of people that are naturalistic the james dean isn't the point in cinema history that he is simply because he was a pretty person it's because he acted more natural he 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 could internalize for a moment i'm going to jump back to meryl streep you know i again i don't always enjoy seeing her performances but i the night before we went to see the new mamma mia the the first one was on TV there in Cape Cod, and oh my God, I know my daughter doesn't listen to this, but it was one of the most excruciating experiences I've ever had <laughs> to watch it again. But you get a great actress like uh, Meryl Streep, who is actually you can see her her eyes look off to the side as she's you know in between the beats of a lyric, looking for the inspiration to what she's going to say. Yeah, that's great acting, and in this you're seeing Brando, not in not not invented, but at least completely paved that path for that style of acting that is why this film will be here forever and ever it will always be it it, i'll 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 be fair it'll always be at least in the top 30 i would put it in the top 25 it has to be here
0: yeah well i'm gonna i'm just gonna show the more uh maybe it's maybe it's the thai food i'm a little angry today um (laughs) i watched this movie um Again, uh, I, I think there, there's, you know, like like many things. Well, and I, but I feel, I feel like I've watched enough of the films that were shot in this era to be able to ha- to form a somewhat educated opinion, which is a dangerous kind of uh, 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 moronic thing to say. But I didn't like the edits, the cuts in this film. I felt like they were rushed. Um, I felt like the scenes seem the scenes would jump quite a bit. We would be on the docks and there would be this impassioned speech. And then just like that, we're up on the rooftops and he's playing with his pigeons, which made me giggle. Cause I'm sure Rocky got an idea about that. Cause didn't Rocky play with pigeons up on his roof yeah. too?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's such a trope of the whole working on the docks. Somebody's yeah. got to work with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought the beginning of it where, uh, you know, one of the shoremen who's going against the union is killed was uh, shot again. It just, I I, just felt rushed and, and this is going to be horrible to say, but not thought out now just to remind the kind listener and everybody else out there that's now throwing the proverbial tomatoes at the screen uh I am not educated when it comes to uh or have a formal education when it comes to film but I will tell you after watching um you know some of the other movies uh All About Eve, Double Indemnity, some of these other films that were 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 shot in that era this felt rushed and I I almost I almost would when you're in town maybe we can watch a little bit of it and I can kind of point out what I'm talking about I'd um,
1: actually really like that because as you're talking about this I I can't tell you when the last time I saw this film was. It's at yeah. least 25 years ago. Yeah. So I I wasn't thinking of that. And I what I'm going to do in, in the interim is look up who the editor was and see if there was something. You know, sometimes you have to look at these and see what they were trying to sure, accomplish. Sure. They were trying, you know, were there different documentaries that were coming out at that time doing different things and they were trying to emulate that. I right. don't know. Uh, I, I'm gonna look that and look into
0: that for us. And, and that's that's the dangerous thing about knowing a little bit about something. Is that the beautiful thing? Is is as as you as you learn more about you know whether it's it's songwriting or or playing video games or whatever you you learn a little bit, and then it's just our natural tendency to take that knowledge that we have and apply it to what we're viewing because obviously um, that's kind of what everyone does whether it's again food or or movies or video games or whatever, and so it was the first time when I was watching this. That I noticed those things were catching my eye. Like again, the opening scene when the you don't see it. Of course, they don't show people dying back then, but it's it could have been done much different with uh, with some slower cuts. And then the daughter comes in, and the whole scene where she's freaking out is to me very unnatural, very directed. I could tell that. I guess I'll put it this way before we move on. I could tell that this was this movie. Someone was trying to direct and make this movie, and I know that sounds silly, but to me, it was more about the elements that they used to put the film together than telling a story. And I hope That that
1: doesn't sound silly. That's actually you can you can put too much of a stamp on something, and the weird thing is, is it's just the exact same as when you don't put enough on, right? And it becomes this subtle masterpiece truly the director you know i i immediately think of the last picture show which was on the list far far back yeah you go watch it that and that's the beautiful subtlety of of direction when you're stripping away everything and just letting those people exist in that moment right you know and but this again this sometimes you have to look at was this a style was this something going sure. on at the time and and i am going to whether we get to watch it or not i'm going to watch this film again because you've made me want to see it but Let's bring it back to the point, which was sure. you asked me: Why are these films on this list where they are? It is the acting, yeah, the acting, the acting, and it is Brando, Brando, Brando. Right. That's why this film is where it is. This will film will never go away from this list. Right, because right. Those that know this medium will say that was a, a turning point for acting style in, in Hollywood. Exactly.
0: Films. And those are the discussions that I, I welcome and 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 will look forward to having with you when you're when you're uh, uh, here uh, visiting us and and going forward because th- this is how I'm learning and this is how. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to build my credibility a little bit with the, uh, the other kind listener and then my knowledge and appreciation of film. So I'm all for that. Speaking of which, so that closes out 19 on the waterfront from 1954. This next movie was, it was a game changer. My, my, I keep thinking about this movie. I want to watch it again. I've probably watched it. I learned an important f- lesson that I'll share in a minute. I'm building this up maybe too much, but um, it, it. I keep going back to it. I want to watch it again, and, and just masterful, masterful film. We're going to go to 1927. We have to remember 1927. It's number 18 on the list. I believe it was added to the list in 2007. I think I read that. Um, and it's uh, The General with, uh, oh, good Lord. Not Charlie Chaplin, but... Buster Keaton. Buster Keaton. Thank you. He even whispered it, so the so the kind listener would would uh, not feel <laughs> embarrassed for me. Um. So go ahead. I'll uh you 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 give us the the tale of the tape. And Todd has uh, offered to let me kind of kind of lead this one. So please fill us in. So
1: I'm going I'm to let Jeff lead it simply because this, Jeff asked me. Have you seen it? I was like, you know, I the truth is, I know so many clips from it. I know so many shots. So many little. Bits of it that I don't remember if I've ever seen it entirely through. It. I think I have, but not enough. And he's got it fresh in his memory. So once I give this recap and a few facts, it's all just so. Buster Keaton must retrieve his train from Union soldiers during the Civil War. What he doesn't know is that his girlfriend Annabelle is aboard. It's a race against time, so that Keaton can save the day. Ending in one of the silent Eric's most iconic images, Keaton sit- seated on the moving wheels of the General. This film is one of those forgotten classics we so often think of charlie chaplin as the king of the silent era and charlie chaplin will be on this list in just a few movies delivering to me and and to many others what i think is his best film buster keaton is kind of unfairly forgotten to the mass audiences he was just as important this was an era you have to remember where People would sit in a movie theater and if they did what's called a positive shot, meaning the action moves directly towards the center, like it's coming towards you. So imagine if there's a train coming toward the audience. Many of them were freaked out by this thinking it was going to come into the audience with them. These films like The General were some of those that created that language. It was shocking. It's just like when we're working towards Citizen Kane, where it was the culmination of so many different things that it was the first time let's actually do that. The general has many of those same qualities. It it was forgotten from the list initially. This this list needs to be updated again because there are some things like that you can't emit or omit from this list. The general is a seminal point in silent filmmaking that absolutely belongs here.
0: So a couple of things that I learned about the film. One, it's based on a true story where Confederate... Uh, Uh, soldiers wanted to go up north and um, steal a train and then bring it back down south. And on the way, they were going to destroy telecommunications and burn all the bridges. So that's one thing that's interesting um, that was based on a true story. Secondly, um, there was an original train called the General, um, and... Uh, they, I, I can't remember what railroad company said. Sure. Yeah, you can, you can use the train. And then when they found out that it was a comedy, uh, they pulled back and said, you know, you've, uh, you've got to find your own train somewhere else. Really? So I had never seen a silent film before this one. I had seen clips. We've all seen Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin. um, clips and, you know, with the house falling over and him, you know, not getting hurt because he's in the window frame and then the clock and some other famous scenes. Um, one important fact, one, one fact for the kind listener, uh, I was trying to multitask and, uh, had the movie on and was doing some other things. Um, you can't do that with a silent film. Uh, because because I would look back over and they had changed scenes or there was a new element that was on screen and I'm like how did they get how did they get over there and then I'd have to back up and then rewatch and then I get distracted and then I'm like where did that cart come from and then I had to back up and rewatch. Um, you know, they, they also have title cards that occasionally you have to read. That's right. The, 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 yeah. Um, one of the sad things about this film is the somehow the rights expired on it. So it can be a difficult film to find. It's on YouTube, but you have to search carefully because what people have done is they have um, taken the the footage and then put a different uh, soundtrack along with it. So it it took me a couple of tries to find one that had the original music and wasn't, uh, you know, modern music. um, You may have to
1: share what you found with me because I would like to see it again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, a couple of things, applying my my newly formed skills as far as filmmaking. First of all, it blew me away that um, Buster Keaton is on a train, ladies and gentlemen. This is not a studio train. This is not a rear projection. There are some scenes worth rear projection, but all of the stunts, all of the things that he is doing is on a moving train. Train something I think would be a huge challenge to any modern actor today. He is um, riding on the front, uh, the scoop or whatever the cattle. I, I know that was created for cattle on the front of the of the engine, that kind of scoop. Um, he's riding on that, removing um, obstacles that the train in front of him. He's chasing is throwing down, and he's having to do this, and it's all in real time and this of course is also a time where I'm sure that uh, with the train and daylight and everything else um, especially for those stunts I don't know how many times they were able to uh, fill the can up with footage they couldn't use I think that they had to be very efficient uh, to get this done his athleticism and timing is something I've never seen before Um, because if you think delivering comedy on a stage with a microphone is difficult to not have the ability to speak words or set something up with anything other, but than your, your, your body, um, to me was, was masterful. Uh, there are some great moments, uh, film wise. Um, there's a scene where, uh, this is how he learns about the plot of the, the soldiers. Um, where he sneaks into a house after getting caught in the rain and is trying to get some food and he curls up underneath the table and he's hearing the dinner conversation. And at one point, one of the guests, after they have filled their belly, and maybe they're drinking some wine, his cigar rests on the tablecloth and burns a hole in it. Um, to which now Buster Keaton can look through and see them bring in his girlfriend. Um, And there's some great uh, Shots that are set up where you are looking at the tablecloth and seeing his eye and then you're also Taken for the perspective of Buster Keaton where you're looking through the hole and seeing the scene obviously stuff that was brand new and Were risk-taking as far as when they were creating this film the other notable moment that I have is when the general which is the name of the train is introduced and it immediately made me think of the first time I saw the Millennium Falcon. Um it's just the it's framed and presented and with again with no dialogue or some of the other elements that modern films rely on to convey their message today this was all done in a singular shot. And just I mean you you're like ah oh, I mean in I literally inside you know, my inside voice said, "Ah, oh, the general." Like, okay, there it is. Um, to anybody that has, and it is a full, full film. Anybody that has uh, the time to do so, I highly recommend checking this out. I, you know, was was not entirely excited about seeing a, a silent film or what to expect, um, but in again, my my uh, introduction to film and 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 learning all this stuff. Uh man, it, it it's a really, really good film. And I looked up the main differences between Buster and Charlie. And what I was able to to glean from the limited research was that um, Buster was known more for his stunts and was more involved with storylines where things happened to him. The common Joe, who happens upon a train and has a great adventure with all this stuff that's happening around him? Whereas Chaplin was more the star of whatever and the cause uh, of what made the storyline progress, the catalyst, if you will. So Chaplin was kind of, you know, a ball of fire, and uh, Buster was just more kind of like a, a ball just reacting to all the forces around it. Um, I have some opinions because I did watch City Lights last night, um, but I will say, almost like uh, Beatles and the Elvis, you know the old thing about nobody likes both bands. Somebody will like the, the Beatles and some people will like Elvis. I will have to say, based on these two films that I've seen, I am a Buster Keaton fan. I'm a fan of his subtleness. I'm a, I am don't feel like anything he did was force-fed. Um, the stunts are amazing. I mean, And and I'll dare to say, I mean, you know, some of what he was doing, Jackie Chan, some of those, those you know, very talented actors and actresses that that perform their own stunts, this is where it was born. And I'm pretty sure that back in 27 when it came out, there wasn't a team of, you know, um, stunt coordinators there to instruct. I'm sure a lot of what he did was very dangerous. And... It really, it really shows and pays off on on what you get to see uh, in the film. And that I know I've kind of rambled there, but uh, really enjoyed it and and uh, highly recommend. Uh, kind listeners, check it out.
1: I, I'm you. You didn't ramble. I'm honestly very proud of you. Oh, thank you. Well, everything you said in that is everything that I'm constantly when we talked about the, doing this idea of this list. Is what I was trying to put out to you is that these films, it's not just about what do you like? It's not just about what was popular. It was, it's a culmination of all. And it, w- where did the language begin? While you were talking, I do remember, I did see this film. This was one of the silent films that I was uh, shown in school. Ah. Um, when you start off, you see things like this. You see, uh, we didn't watch City Lights I forget which of Chaplains we did watch. We watched Metropolis. But really what they're going to show you is much like what you talked about with the cigar and the hole. Yeah. They're going to show you that the language of film is not dialogue. Silent film created a language to where the image told us enough that occasionally you would put in a title card and -hmm. it might be dialogue or it might be a scene setter or something. But the majority of the language was what was seen. The One of the films that we get to today at number 13 is borderline a silent film. Yes. And I'll talk about it when we get there. It is executed perfectly because if you turn off the soundtrack, you could still understand the story. Right. That is so, so crucial in film. And it's something that so many people forget is that a good film. Let's think about the quiet place that came out or a quiet place that came out this year. Yeah, It is effectively a silent film because they're forced into a world where they can't make a sound. But think of how well that's executed because were you ever confused what was happening? No. No. That comes from this. They understood that if you not only put together images that are action happening in one shot, but also if you juxtapose, if you put this image next to this image next to this image, it tells a sequential story.
0: Right.
1: Keaton and Chaplin... I I think your whole thing of the Beatles and Elvis or the Beatles and the Stones or whatever you want to do to compare those. I think that's a perfect example. You may like one or the other, but you can't look and say that it isn't brilliant what they are doing.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: But yeah, great job, Jeff. I'm very proud of you.
0: Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. I don't know when we were chatting, you're like, hey, I'm going to let you run with that. And so I I took a few notes and everything. And one thing I failed to mention the actress that plays uh, Buster's love interest. Also, um, something I'm sure that, that was not, I, I don't know, I, I don't want to speak for, for, for what the opinion was when it came out, but but basically want to communicate, what a great job and what a trooper. Um, she did a lot of stunts as well. Uh, her comedy um, and and uh, what she brought to the film through her, her expression, I mean, it would've been easy just to have the dame tied to the railroad tracks. But no, she is an active uh, member and uh, part of the film. Very funny. And, you know, got doused with. There's a lot of water. I noticed that in the movie, a lot of people get splashed with water. And I guess that was like. Maybe back in 1927, that was like probably one of the th- worst things that could happen to your day. <laughs> so um, she spent a lot of the time getting doused with water as as much as the bad guys did too. But uh, we'll watch a little bit of this when you come up. But uh, thanks again, and and I do uh, uh, really encourage everybody to to check this out. It's uh, it's worth uh, looking at. That's 1927's 18th spot, the General.